Good morning, saints. I am not preaching. Thank you very much. I set you up, didn't I? You couldn't resist. Anyway, when we were talking about uh, doing another encounter series, we said, why don't we invite somebody back? And, um, you know, I like to joke and say, uh, we've spared no expense. So today, all the way from England, of course, via New Jersey, Yes, keep praying for Derek. <laughs> He's here with his lovely wife, Carol, and why don't you stand so people get to see you too. Glad that they're here. But I just thought we might have to introduce him because there are new folks in our church. So Derek was on staff with us as administrative pastor, a great assistant to us, and um, a great friend and uh, a joy, really, to have on our team. And then he felt led of God. You know how grandchildren have an effect on people when they get older? And uh, so off we go. And uh, that was part of, I think, their leading over to New Jersey, and we're rejoicing with them. And are you enjoying freedom? Or, or, or such as it is living in New Jersey? I don't know. But anyway, Derek, if you would come and minister the word, let's welcome Derek back to our pulpit, Pastor Derek. It's really good to be back here with you all. It's good to see you. Those who we know, it's great to see you again. Those who we don't know, it's great to see you. And um, on the way up in the car, we're saying, well, I hope there's people we don't know, because that means there's new people coming to the church. And that's, that's good. That's great. So um, good morning and welcome to you all. And um, hi from New Jersey. I'm trying to get the accent. New Jersey. Um, and yes, we live near the grandkids uh, with our, and our son and daughter-in-law, and we're enjoying life down there. It's very different. Here it's fairly rural, sort of driving around Orange County to Harmony Baptist Church on a Sunday morning. You think, there's a car. <laughs> and three minutes later, there's another car. <laughs> of course, in, down in Bergen County, New Jersey, there's a car, there's a car, there's a car, there's a car, there's a line, there's a light. Um, it's a bit different but it's good to be there. A lot of you who, who've sort of said hello to us this morning have said, oh, you settled in a church? And I think, well, I have to say, church is one of the trying, it's about the most difficult challenge we got. Yes, we attend a church every week. Um, but it's as if we're not too sure about whether this is where we're going to settle long term. We don't know. We're waiting for God to sort of throw a thunderbolt somewhere or, or a finger to a, appear from heaven saying, that's the one. <laughs> but so far he hasn't done that. But we attend a, a, an assembly, a large Assemblies of God church uh, near Wyckoff called Bethany. It's large, it's loud, it's lively. There's a passion, um, there's a team leadership. Um, we love to hear the word expounded there, and that it happens really well week after week. They're doing a series on the blessing from number six, the Lord bless you and keep you. Uh, and last week, one of the pastors just took those words, and keep you. And it's fantastic just to meditate on these truths that, that we can so often and so easily gloss over. So, yeah, we attend that church, 
Um, I meet with one of the pastors now again, and we have a chat now and again. Um, whether that's where we're going to settle, we're not certain yet. We don't know. Um, it's taking time. And of course, COVID, throw COVID into that, that makes it more difficult. Anyway, um, enough of that. It's good to be here. So encounters in the book of Acts. Um, I understand that Ben is preaching next week and he's doing Paul's, Saul's encounter on the road to Damascus. Fantastic! So I won't steal his thunder because he's standing there looking at me. Um, this week we're going to look at Simon the Sorcerer. And you think, well, why on earth Simon the Sorcerer? Why, uh, why choose him? Well, there was a problem. We sometimes hope that encounters are always going to be happy uh, and like Saul became Paul, became a great preacher um, and all these people who have encounters, not even those who had an encounter with Jesus went away and, and necessarily were happy and followed what Jesus said. Remember the rich young ruler who went away sad because he'd had a challenge and he wasn't willing to let go of stuff. And sometimes encounters can end up like that. So not all are happy, and today's encounter, well, we're not too sure. We're left hanging at the end of it to know what happens. But it seems that Simon had a problem. And this morning we're going to try and find out, well, what is this problem? The source of the problem. What is the source of this problem that Simon had? And yes, if you want, if you like, it's a bit of fun. You can do all sorts of strange spellings. Um, the source of the problem that Simon had, well, what was it? And how can we learn from that? What was the result of this encounter? So I'm going to read from Acts chapter 8. It may be on the screen, might be a bit small, so I'm going to look at it from, read from my Bible. This is the NIV. Oh, you can read that. I'll do it from there. Those who had been scattered, we'll come back to explain that in a moment. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. <clears throat> For his shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Oh, that's a bit smaller. <laughs> what verse are we on? I've lost it now, I've lost the verse. What, what? Nine, thank you. <laughs> Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them with a long, for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They'd simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given on the laying on of the apostles' hands, 
he offered them money and said, Oh, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, You've got to be joking. May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Ah, there's the source of the problem. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you're full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Oh, pray to the Lord for me that so that nothing you have said may happen to me. And on they went. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. Your word is truth and it's life-giving. Lord, you don't gloss over difficulties and problems and we hear life as it really is. And we ask this morning that you will enable us to learn from this. We want to be inspired, challenged, encouraged. We want to grow in our walk with you. We want to grow deeper with you. So, Lord, open our hearts and our eyes and our ears, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so what's the background? Well, we're in Acts chapter 8, so we back up a few chapters to Pentecost when the church really got off the ground. And then the apostles are there teaching, performing miracles, preaching, people are getting saved. Um, Then they appoint the seven deacons, Philip was one of the deacons. This is much the early days. They were winging it. They were just dealing with problems as they came up. The deacons were appointed because there was a need for practical help that they could meet that need better than the apostles. Philip was one of the deacons. Um, and there were signs and wonders and preaching of people getting saved. And there was opposition that began to crop up. And a great opposition uh, spread caused the, a lot of the disciples to spread. Stephen was the first martyr. He was killed for his faith. This persecution arose, and Philip, amongst others, left Jerusalem. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem, and a lot of other people went out to other areas because of the persecution. So here's Philip. He comes down to this this, um, area called Samaria. Now, what on earth do you find in Samaria? Samaritans. Um, Who were the Samaritans? Well, they were sort of half Jews and half not, and their religion was half Jewish and half not. And the Jews from Jerusalem, the real Jews, really looked down on the Samaritans because they, they were certainly second-class citizens. But Philip went to this village, this city in Samaria. We don't have a name for it. But that's where Philip went, and he preached. He started preaching the power of God. So Philip in Samaria arrives from Jerusalem, He's proclaiming Jesus, and there's also these signs and wonders, and people are getting saved. Um, What did happen? What happened there? People saw, and this is an important point, I think. People saw what was happening. They saw people getting healed. They saw people getting delivered. And because they could see there was something real, they think, hey, we need to listen to this guy. That's what signs and wonders are for, by the way. They are pointers. They are not an end in themselves. They are a means to an end. They point to Jesus. We'll come back to that a little bit, a bit later on. So the people saw, and they paid close attention, and many of them get saved, including Simon. So we've got Simon. Simon in Samaria. 
Now, what's he up to? Well, it seems that he's into the occult. It seems that he's into sorcery, magic. We don't know exactly what that meant, but maybe he could tell people's future. Maybe he could perform some sort of healing, although it doesn't come from the power of God. Maybe he was able to have sort of false words of knowledge, um, do magic tricks. I don't know. We're not told. We're told that he was a sorcerer. He was into magic stuff. In other words, occult stuff, not from God. So, everybody had been following... Everybody had been following him up to the time Philip came because he was proclaiming himself and he was making himself out to be someone big. He was doing this stuff that had the people really impressed. But then he hears Philip. But before he hears Philip, and, and before we get on to that, let's just think about this guy Simon a little bit more. He thought he was someone. He loved the being in the limelight. And he probably, doesn't tell us, but he may well have had a lucrative business. If people had a problem, uh, maybe they go to Simon and Simon said, oh, I'll do this, or take this potion, or I'll do this curse on you, or this blessing on somebody, or, or whatever it is. We'll do this ritual and, and you'll be okay. And I'm sure he made some money out of that. We're not told that, so that's speculation. But probably what he was doing was certainly boosted his ego. But then Philip comes along performing genuine signs and wonders and preaching the gospel. So we got a. What happens here? There's Philip and there's Simon. And we hear that Simon believed. He got baptized. He became a follower of Jesus, it seems. To what extent was that faith genuine? We don't know, but we're told that he believed and baptized. So there's something real there. So what changed in Simon? Well, Sadly, not as much as perhaps could change in Simon. His ego was still there. He was still wanting to impress people. So he'd been born again, but there was still work to do. Meanwhile, so we've got Philip preaching, we've got Simon's getting saved. Simon's had his following of people. Philip's got a following of people and pointing them to Jesus. And so the... Apostles in Jerusalem get to hear of all this. Um, so they decide to send Peter and John to sort of check on what's going on and, and see if they can help. So meanwhile, Peter and John are sent from the apostles in Jerusalem to see how the church in Samaria is doing. And we're not, I'm just, we're not told exactly why, but when people got saved, they were baptised, but then the apostles came along and prayed for them they might receive the Holy Spirit. And Simon saw this and thought, oh, that looks... So what did he see? We hear that they received the Holy Spirit and Simon saw what was going... What was, did he see people laying hands on other people? Probably. Did he see people speaking in tongues or prophesying as at Pentecost? We don't know, possibly. But he saw something happening and he thought, oh, I want to get in on that. I want to be able to do that. Um... But of course, it didn't work. What did Simon see? Whatever it was, he liked it, and he wanted to get in on the act. So what was Simon's mistake? Well, his heart was not right. His heart was not right. He's told that he's full of, his heart is full of bitterness and is captive to sin. Now, just back up a little bit here. Here is Peter, or John, or both of them, really giving Simon some home truths. 
Can you remember a few chapters back, if you're familiar with the book of Acts, Peter gave somebody else some home truths, a guy called Ananias, and soon after that, his wife, Sapphira. Uh, Sapphira. And what happened to them? They lost their lives. So you don't mess with Peter, it would seem. <laughs> and here's Peter and John saying to Simon, your heart is full of bitterness. You have no part in this ministry. May it die with you. And I wonder if Simon's saying, oops, I wonder if he knew about Ananias and Sapphira. I wouldn't be surprised. I wonder if he thought he was going to be next. But no, that didn't happen. But there was authority in Peter and John, and they could speak forth the words, as it were, from the Lord. So Simon's mistake, well, he thought that the kingdom of God worked like earthly kingdoms. You want something, you pay for it, you get it, you buy it, you do it. Everything can be bought. That seemed to be his, 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 one of his problems. Power, money, status. In verse 18 and 19, it says, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given and the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. He offered the money. He just didn't understand how the kingdom of God works. Do we? Well, we might say, well, of course, that's stupid, Simon. You know, Simon, come on, you can't, it doesn't work like that. But have we got a handle on things completely? Well, maybe you have. I haven't. We don't have a handle on things. We cannot tie God down. We don't know exactly how he works. But we do know that the sort of thing that Simon was trying to do, buying a gift, is not how it works. He thought he could use natural methods to promote spiritual work. But he himself was in no state to participate in ministry. His heart was wrong and that was the basic problem. Now, Peter and John speak to him, they give him the home truths, and he says, oh, pray that these things will not happen. What happened to Simon? We don't know. Was he a genuine believer? It seems like it. Did he learn from this mistake? Did he turn away from his sorcery? We hope so, but we don't know. Was the stuff that needed doing in his heart and his life if he was going to be fruitful for God? Oh yes, there was. And that's what I wanted to spend a few minutes thinking about this morning. If that's the outline of the story, let's have a look at some truths to go, as I've called them. What can we learn from this? Well, the first thing that we can learn is that Simon, whilst he was born again, he was still bound up. Peter and John made that quite clear. Okay. Ah, oh, they've all come in one go, shucks. When I set this slide up, I was supposed to get one line at a time. You can only look at line number one. Okay? But transmitting things, formats change. Okay. So there's Simon. He's born again, but he's still bound up. How can that be? How can that be? Surely when we're born again, everything is new. Yes, the, the old has gone, the new has come. But there's still stuff in our lives that needs dealing with, or there may well be. In Simon, it was bitterness uh, and stuff like that. In Simon, it was thinking he could buy the gift of God. In Simon, it was his ego. And that was not all sorted out when he got saved. And of course, his ministry was basically me, me, me. Contrast with Philip, whose ministry was him, him, him. Because Simon thought he was someone important. and Everybody followed him. He proclaimed himself the great power of God. Philip came along and said, Jesus, the great power of God is Jesus. 
and he proclaimed the true gospel. Now, of course, we say, oh, yes, we never do anything like that. Our culture is very much a me, 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 is it not? It's all about me. And we need to be careful that that doesn't infect the church. Sometimes I hear so-called Christian songs and I despair because it's all me, me, me. Ain't got no job, everything's awful. And it's all me, me, me. Okay, sometimes something comes along towards the end of the song and God picks them up. But I sometimes struggle with the me, me, me songs because it's not about me, me, he, me, me, me. It's about him, him, him. And our songs and our lives need to reflect that. Um, uh, And they do, I hope. Okay, now, signs and wonders. I'm not getting hung up on signs and wonders. They are pointers. They are not, we should not be seeking signs and wonders just to seek signs and wonders. Oh, that we saw people getting healed and delivered. It happens, but not so much. But the whole purpose of that is to point the people, to point us to Jesus. Because it was when they saw what was happening that got their attention. And they think, hey, this guy's doing something real. We better listen to what he's got to say. Maybe it's important. So they listened and got saved. So yes, signs and wonders have a place. Um, but they're not just to keep the church happy. If anything, they're to be out there, not in here. When we see them in the New Testament, they are in conjunction with proclaiming Jesus to verify, to authenticate, to prove genuine what the guy is saying. And that's what the purpose of signs and wonders. Okay. Earthly and kingdom values and thinking don't mix. You can't run the church or Christian life like the way you run a business. It doesn't work. like Yeah, there are certain similarities. But the church is built on the grace of God, servanthood, uh, forgiveness, um, seeking the best for the other person. Business is not necessarily like that. So earthly and kingdom thinking. Simon had this earthly, this earthly thinking. It did not work. And then the last one, which I want to linger on as we come towards a close. Salvation is an event about sanctification, a process. You get saved. You get born again. That's an event. Um, Sanctification, though, begins at that point and continues through our life. I want to read a few verses from Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, verses... Oh, I've jumped a slide. No, there it is. there There we go. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away the sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Now, in that paragraph, we've got a seeming contradiction. The beginning says, we have been made holy. And then the bit at the end says, we are being made holy. Hey, writer of Hebrews, which is it? Please make your mind up. This is confusing. Well, is it we've been made holy or is it we are being made holy? The answer is yes. Okay, Um, both are true. 
Now, I want to give a little illustration. I used it, I've used it before here. But, come on, who remembers what gets preached? Yeah. Let's be honest. You can have a fantastic sermon or a mediocre one, and you go out the door and think, what did he say? Well, you might remember one or two little tidbits from this. I've used an illustration before, and it's the same one, but it bears repeating. When we lived in England, our, gar- our backyard backed onto some woodland. And there were one or two trees at the end of our backyard that were trying to grow up, but they had ivy growing all around them. And the ivy was choking the life out of the tree. And it was spoiling it. The tree couldn't healthily grow and, and develop and produce leaves and, and so forth. It was bound up by this ivy that was strangling it, preventing the growth, preventing it getting nutrients, preventing it getting water, preventing it getting light to photosynthesize and, and all the other things that are needed. And one day I thought, hmm, I don't want this ivy anymore. So I got my cutters and I went down to the end of the yard. Do you remember this illustration? You have had it before. Um, and I pulled away the leaves and I looked for all the ivy ship branches coming up, clinging to the tree trunk. And I got my cutters. And I went right round all the branches I could find and cut them. And then I went away. And then I came back the next day and looked at it. It looked exactly the same. I went away and I came back the next day. Well, I probably did, I can't remember, but, you know, for the point of this story, it looked the same. But then I came back a few weeks later, a month or two later, oh, those leaves are dying off and they're falling off. Hmm, something's happening. Now, what had happened there? Here is this ivy and it was cut off. It could no longer cause the ivy to grow up the tree. The source of the problem, the source of the stifling, the source of the starvation was cut off. Okay? That's a picture of what happens when we become Christians. The power of evil is cut. You will no longer die in the sense of separation from God. Cut. That can't happen. The ivy has cut off. The sin, the power of sin that was strangling you and growing up and stopping us to develop as God wants us to has been cut off and cannot be reconnected. That is truth. You have been made holy. You have been saved. You have been born again. The power of sin, the power of death, the power of evil is cut off once and for all time. It cannot grow back up again, unlike the ivy, but every illustration falls down somewhere. Um, And that has happened, and nothing can alter that fact. When you became a Christian, that's what happened. But the, the process is then one of waiting for the leaves to begin to fall off, for the ivy wood to sort of get hard and brittle, and maybe when there's wind it snaps off because it's so brittle, and gradually the tree is able to flower again. That takes time, and that is, if you like, the being made holy part of what we're talking about. It is a process by which the effects of sin, and the ivy still clinging is a bit like the effects of what the the ivy was. It no longer has the power over it, although it can stifle it to some extent, it is a process of the ivy gradually dying off and falling off. And that is the being made holy that we think the writer of Hebrews is talking about. 
So, how confident are you about the source of sin being cut off? Are you sure about that? Because God wants us to be sure. He doesn't want us to think, oh, well, maybe I'm not saved. I know for some of us, we've walked with the Lord for many years, but maybe for others, it's more recent. That's great. Once you become a Christian, the spiritual ivy is cut and cannot drag you down in the sense of rob you of the presence or the forgiveness of God. You are born again once for all time and eternity. But what about the being part of all this? How's that going? Um, The IV still clings to some extent, and it was still clinging in Simon's life. And he needed to address that. He needed to address his ego. He needed to address this bitterness that he was full of that had been discerned in him. We've no idea where that came from. Maybe he'd had a hard life. We don't know. And was bitter. Um, but things like that are a bit like the remnants of the ivy that just need to be allowed to fall off. And sometimes it needs proactive action. Now a tree can't sort of wriggle its way out and push the ivy out. That's the difference. We're told to crucify the flesh. And things that, that, that can linger in our lives, we may need to take action to bring into the effect the truth that the power of sin is cut off. It's still there, but the power, its source, its nourishment is gone. It, will not, it cannot dominate our eternity because our eternity will be with the Lord. And that is, uh, that is absolutely certain. So, on the bulletin, I put at the end there the holly and the ivy, the holly brackets crossed out, holy and the ivy. If you don't forget, if you don't remember anything else on this morning, remember that. Remember the story of the holly, sorry, the ivy and the tree and what that cutting off represents and what that means in our lives spiritually that we are separated from the power of sin. We are saved the power of death. We are bound for heaven not separation from God, and that is absolutely a dead cert. It cannot be changed, because God has come along with his snippers through the blood of Jesus, and those branches do not get any sustenance anymore. They are cut off. And our job is to work out that salvation, as the Bible tells us, with fear and trembling. Now, Simon probably had some fear and trembling when he was given those home truths by Peter and John. You have no part in this ministry. You're full of bitterness. Sort yourself out. And sometimes we need someone or we need the Lord to come along and say, hey, come on, that needs to change. His heart was not right. How deep was Simon's encounter with the Lord? The last slide just asks us that question. There we are. It reminds us about our standing before God. We have been made holy and our state... We are being made holy. That's why both are true. Our status, our standing before God is as he says, his accepted, adopted, holy children. Our state is how we're getting on with that and working that out. Um, and we sometimes get it right, we sometimes get it wrong. But that cannot change the fact that our standing before God is out of a, a child of God adopted into his kingdom and heirs of the kingdom. One is an event... One is a process. So the question that we need to ask ourselves as we go is how life-changing was Simon's encounter and how life-changing has our encounter with the Lord been 
and what needs to change is there some wriggle room for trying to elbow out some of the dead ivy that's sticking to our lives. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for your faithfulness. We want to thank you for your word. We thank you for this story of Simon. He had an encounter with you through Philip. He was baptized, but he still had work to do. His heart was still not right. Lord, I pray that we might just use this opportunity and this reminder to examine our own hearts and to see what needs to be cut off, what needs to be trimmed off, what needs to be broken free. Lord, perhaps some of us feel that we have like stuff clinging to us, like that ivy. Maybe it's the, 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 the power of it has gone, but Lord, it's still there to some extent. Lord, we pray for your help. We pray that you'll enable us to see victory. And I pray that the process of being made holy will be something that is going forward in our lives. Lord, be with us today. Uh, we ask for your blessing. We ask for safety as we travel. And may we just learn and may we just glorify you in all that we do this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.